This is Amateur Logic, episode 135 for October 15th, 2019. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Make the most out of contest season with the new ICOM transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. Welcome to Amateur Logic. I don't know what the episode number is, but apparently it's real funny. It's the 14th anniversary episode. Episode 135. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm George. I'm Tommy. That's Peter. <laughs> I'm Peter. <laughs> Who's that? And Emil. Yeah, Emil. Yeah. Wow. Hey, good to see you again, Peter. Thank you kindly, gentlemen. It's uh, nice to uh, to be invited back. Uh, and uh, yeah, how you all been? We've been good. We've we've been good. Same old stuff here. What's been going on with you? Well, uh, I've been playing in the astronomy field a bit, and uh, uh, at the moment, um, I, I basically wrote a Python program to find uh, comets in uh, archived images, and I ran that through twenty four years worth of archival images for the SOHO telescope and also for the SETI telescopes, which are satellites in orbit. And uh, I found, uh, as you might know, six years ago, I found one comet. And uh, so far this year, I found a further 15. Wow. And uh, at the moment, uh, I'm expecting probably to get another 10 confirmed uh, by the, the finish. Uh, so uh, I'm just waiting on the results of the remaining uh, comments that I've re- reported. So, uh, yeah, it's been a pr- pretty successful endeavor. Wow, Peter, is that, is that a record? Who's got the most? Well, I would, in terms of what they call sun grazer comets, I would hold the national record now uh, for Australia. So I would have found the most sun grazer comets. Um, the record, the there's a chap called Warachat uh, who, I don't know what his number is, but he would have literally found hundreds. Uh, he's up in Thailand, um, and he he's just continually finding uh, one, virtually one every day. Uh, wow. He's very, very uh, good good at it. So but there would have been that many that so, were visibly, you know, you know, that around. So can we be ex- expecting episodes of the Comet Hunter coming soon? No, 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 no. This is just a, a little one-off project that I did because uh, I knew that there would be a few unfound comets in these archival images. So, uh, but uh, as I say, it's been a, a quite successful endeavour and. Uh, uh, and the feedback I've gotten back from NASA, who actually run the program, is the um, uh, that uh, a lot of the comets I've found are what they call non-group comets. And in contrast to most sun-grazer comets that skim close to the sun and actually burn up, the about 12 of the ones I've found 
are further out and are unlikely to burn up. And so they're going to whiz around to the solar, solar system until they hit something like the Earth um, and wipe us all out. So <laughs> that's the bad news. <laughs> wow. Uh, Always some good news and I, some bad news. I do want to mention something I forgot to mention a moment ago. That's any time we're doing a show live, we're doing what at the same time? Uh, we've got the chat room going here. So if you're watching mm-hmm. the live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing half the fun. So join us over at AmateurLogic.tv forward slash chat. Okay. And the question is, Emil? Which, oh, go ahead, Emil. Yeah, which half? Yeah. That's up, to, that's up to you. You have to log in to find out. <laughs> okay. So uh, is that has that been your major, uh, I, I guess, well, uh, maybe we call it hobbies, your interest? Has that been the major one? Oh yes, yes, that is. Uh, it, it sounds very quick and easy, but I can assure you that, notwithstanding that I'd written a program to run that, it's literally been hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of effort uh, to actually get that done. So, uh, um, but yeah, it's it's all done now. The next thing I'll be doing is um, uh, retiring as of March next year. So I've got to make plans for what I'm going to be doing after that. Wow, retiring. What's that? Yeah. What is that? That's something they do in Australia, I Apparently. guess. Apparently. We should, we should get that yeah, up here. I was fortunate to be in a, uh, a generous retirement plan that allows me to retire at 55. And it's at the point where it would be um, ridiculous for me to keep working because I'd be working for nothing. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. you probably made the right choice then, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I've got to work out what I'm going to do after that. And when and when did you say that comes up? March the 11th. March? Oh, wow. Well, congratulations, man. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. I only wish yeah. it were exactly. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. It's, it's a mirage somewhere on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that. What have you been up to, Emil? Oh man, well we just we're enjoying the weather down here. It's been great lately. Yeah. Um very fair. Um and glad to kinda get past the summer noise of uh HF on the on the low bands. So that's kinda what I'll be talking about in my uh, segment this month. Cool. Yeah, it's uh I think probably the coolest it'll it's been all season will be in the morning. It's supposed to be around 50 here, oh, wow. which is, which will be quite different from the way it's been. Yeah. So, for a good it's a welcome change. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Tommy, what have you been up to? Uh, nothing, nothing really grand to report. I've been playing around a little bit with my toy that I've shown my segment coming up and, uh, made a little trip out of town with my wife and son. He was in a, competition stuff so we went did that did kind of pan out like we'd hoped oh boy he got hurt while we were gone so we've been kind of dealing with that yeah um but uh other than that not too much to report yeah cool well it's been 14 years here and boy i we never would have guessed that at the beginning but we say that every time we talk about but but we mean it every time we do we just mean it 14 times as much yeah. This time. That's true. And we'll be giving away 
uh, the prize package here tonight, shortly, somebody is going to be real happy. And yes, it's going to be the real radio. Or this one. This one. You can take your pick. <laughs> Peter, which one would you rather have? Can you tell? I think it? I would, I would ha- rather have the, uh, the one on your desk. Yeah. But the shipping will be so reasonable on this one. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, it certainly is a bit lighter. Yeah. I don't know if you knew what happened. They, they were out. They had sold out of uh, 7300s. And we started the contest, and uh, they didn't have any in the warehouse. So we had to revert to a box <laughs> and put a picture on the front of it and showed that. The, the rig came in this week, so I'm glad that whoever's going to win, they'll enjoy that radio a lot more than they were going to enjoy this Unless box. they got a lot of loose things laying around the shack. They need well, true. There's a lot of storage area. They tied you yeah. No, that's yeah. Somebody's mm. gonna get a nice package to Yeah, really yep. nice. Very nice. Well, let's get on into the show here. We've got uh, a good bit of stuff to cover tonight. Uh, this came from uh, James Gilmore, and I don't have his call sign here, but I'm pretty sure he's got one. He said, uh, "Here's what my dad taught me about getting rid of the noise." Emil, this is not the same kind of noise you're going to be talking about later. Okay. Uh, he's talking about a re-radiated uh, EMI from the alternator in your mobile coming through the hood. He said, hoods are not RF grounded. Uh, they're most likely floating. And his dad told him to take two pieces of coax, uh, maybe uh, strip back about uh, 8 to 12 inches of the braid, take it off, and use metal screws to hook it into the the body of the car and up to the hood, one on either side, and then the hood will be at the same ground plane as the rest of the vehicle, and that will help keep the, the noise from your alternator getting back in to your antenna and to your rig, and it will help with uh, ignition noise as well. Uh, and I do this. Uh, actually, if you went and looked at my mobile right now, you'd see that I had had done that. Put a, oh, yeah. a ground strap across there to the hood. Sometimes it works. Sometimes the, the noise is coming from some other direction. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's always a, a good uh, trip or trick to do there. So you won't have noise when you take your trip. You see how I did that? Yeah, see what you did there. Yeah, you hardly noticed it, did you? That was pretty well, smooth. Yeah, well, thanks for that, uh, James. Tommy, bail us out of this. Okay, I uh, I ended up getting a new toy, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, nice toy. Yeah, so anyway, I put that together, so let me show you what I got. Today I'm going to try to set up my Rig Pi station server or RSS. I've got this, this MFJ part number 1234. Kind of looking forward to this. I'm going to hook it up to my IC7100 and hopefully I'll be able to remote into this when I travel now going forward. The only thing I've done to mine so far is it's pretty much out of the box. I plugged in the HDMI and a keyboard. I hooked it up and I got it on Wi-Fi. It's not convenient to run network cable over here where I am at the moment. So I'm just going to set it up on Wi-Fi. 
and I'm remoted in using VNC. Incidentally, VNC and SSH come turned on by default with the default image that you get from MFJ. So let's go ahead and try to get it set up. As you can see, it started up. Um, Mumble came up running, which is the voice server. I'm going to go into the RigPy application and let's take a look and see if we can figure out how to set this thing up. By default, it's, the username is admin. The password is blank. I haven't reset mine yet, but I would suggest changing that. Here's some express setup stuff. So my call is N5ZNO. I'm going to leave that right now. My first name, Tommy. Mississippi. I'm going to have to look that up. And I'll enter my password. There you go. Got my grid square from QRZ. When I put the username and password for QRZ in and hit fill below from the call book, it put all my information in. So I would rather this go by Tommy. And I'm going to pick my ICOM 7100 right there. And I'll call it, leave it called that. My port is USB 0. My gear port, everything is USB 0 because I've only got the one USB device hooked up to my. So that should be correct. Let's try connect to the radio. See if it works. Congratulations. And, you, and that's the frequency that I'm on. So that was very easy. Click OK. See what else we need to set up. Advanced radio. Everything's good. So let's go into the next page. I don't have a rotor and I don't use a keyer. Log designer. So we can go back into this stuff later. This is for your logbook. You can set up macros in here if you want to. System. My IP address. That was way too easy. Tuner. And there is my radio. Now let's, I'm going to reach over here and, and tune something a little different. Let's see what happens. It does, it does work, so it's communicating, as you can see. Let's uh, try the push to talk and see if it works. It does. It tuned my tuner, and I'm good to go. So that was, uh, that was really very, very easy. Now there's a lot of functions in here. These are our bands. Uh, these are the macros that we saw before. We're on 40 meters. Let's go to 20 meters. And you can see it changed to 14295. And I hear somebody talking over there. I went into Mumble and I needed to configure it. So I went in and checked the configuration. This is all okay. I went and found that there's a default password set up of 7388, and you can change that. I would suggest you do, but for this demonstration, I'm going to leave it alone. I went into my audio configuration. My IC7100 has built-in audio devices, which makes this really easy. So I went into Audio In, and I picked USB codec, which is what's in my device. And I picked the hardware device without any conversion, so there's, it's just raw audio from the rig. For the audio out, I did the same thing. Clicked Apply down here to save my settings. 
and then I go back in here. I went ahead and downloaded Plumble for my i for my Android phone, and there's a Mumble client for my iPhone. And I'm gonna go ahead and show that one because I think probably more of you have iPhones than Android phones. If I run the Mumble application that I installed, and I go into LAN servers, I can see my local one show up. Just hit that, hit connect, and I put my call sign in here for mine. And I'll put in the password of 7388, which is the default one. Again, change that. When I talk, you can see the lips change color, so it's detecting the audio, and that would go out over the air when I hit the push to talk. So let's go ahead and bring up our browser. There's our rig. If I hit the push to talk, N5 ZNO. And that keys up my rig. I realized I did not have any audio coming into my rig. I had to make a few changes on my radio. So I went into the settings. I went into connections. I have the squelch set to off. You can see here I have my output set to AF audio. Um, my AF level for my USB, I went ahead and turned that up to 100. My, my USB modulation level, when I first set up and I hit the push to talk, I got very little bit of audio going in, very low modulation, so I bumped that up to 100. And now I get basically the same effects that I had with uh, the microphone. So you can see the settings that I've used here. Now that that's fixed, let's go ahead and try a real test. Yeah, we need the LAN servers. You see my rig pie shows up. If I touch it, it brings up a connect dialog. So I hit connect. I put in my call sign. It's going to ask me for the password. It says it's rejected. So I'm going to put 7388. If this is your first time to use it, you need to go down below and click connect to the radio and I hear the audio coming from my rig so let's find somebody talking on here oops let's just do this way so it's working to open this up to the outside you're gonna to have to open some ports you're gonna to have to open 80 for the web browser, you're also going to have to open port 64738 for your Mumble client. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you check out the Rig Pi. It's pretty nice. Um, if you have a different kind of rig, you may have to run some audio cables into the audio jacks on the side of the Rig Pi and choose a different audio device. But it looks pretty straightforward to set up. The icon one makes it super easy, but I don't suspect the other one should be a whole lot of trouble either. You are going to need a little bit of um, a little bit of networking 
knowledge to set up your network and things like that. But there are a lot of resources out there available for you to look things like that up. Check your router manual about opening your ports and things like that. What I would do personally is I can I have an app for my router and I can open and close ports with my phone. So I don't like to leave them open. So I'll go on my phone, open up the ones I want to use, and then I'll use my rig when I'm away. And when I finish, I'll close them back just for security's sake. But speaking of security, don't use the default passwords. Go in there where you saw me doing the setup and put your own passwords in there so you won't be open to the world. It's always best to be on the safe side when it comes to security. And I hope you enjoy your rig pie. It's a great little device. I'm really looking forward to playing around with mine while I'm traveling. And I'll probably show you some video of that in the future. 73. So you got a new call sign, AD. M-I-N. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you weren't supposed to catch that. I, I, need, I did a click save up there. So anyway, when I was making the video, I didn't save it. But anyway, the steps are all, all there. Yeah. And you know, that's it's pretty neat, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And, and using the ICOM radio with the audio devices built in, it, it was so easy. Like, I could if I'd had this video to watch, I could have watched it and and then went and set it up in maybe 10 minutes, probably. Yeah. It, it was really so easy. And it works really good, too. Yeah, it's nice. It? Yeah. And once one I had my audio on my rig turned up to 100, you... Obviously, you're going to need to adjust your audio levels right. for what yeah. you want. You know, don't just jack it all the way up. I only did it because I realized I had no audio mm-hmm. uh, the first time I tested it, so I just turned it all the way up just to see if I had some, and then I went back and adjusted the levels after yeah. that. Hey, are you familiar with this device, Peter? Had you seen it yet? No, no, no. First time, but uh, it looks impressive. Uh, I'm I must say, though, about the uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, what, which, which model are you using? It looks very, very responsive. I, I believe that's a 3 in there. It's the one three, that came with it. 3B I'm, Plus. I'm sure it's a 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it was very snappy. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing yeah, them on yeah. the 4s yet. Uh, it comes, mm-hmm. uh, well, of course, you can buy it pieces and put it together, but it comes... As a, a single unit there, MFJ's packaged it up. Howard Nurse wrote the software for it, mm-hmm. and i got to say, it's a great-looking user interface. And Wow. The, yeah, right. There's a Pi in there, and then this one has two, I believe it's two boards in addition to the Pi. Yeah, the three on stacked one. on here. Yeah. The, including the Pi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to get all three boards if you don't want them. It, this one's got, of course, the Pi, and then it's got the audio board and a, a, a keyer a board. Keyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. everything's all labeled nice and neat. Um, it, it's pretty sweet. I, I really yep. like it a lot. Yeah, you just plug mm, that in. Quite innovative. Yeah, and you don't have to have your computer on either. You just hook that to your rig and... And yeah, crank mm-hmm. it up, and and wow, it yeah. it works well. Yeah, software is nice, but uh, just do like I said, and and be sure to set your passwords to something else before you oh, yeah. it open to the world, please. Yeah, Tom. As a matter of fact, I like that so much, and you like it so much too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I really like it a lot. What do you say we give away? One next month to someone. Yours? 
Not mine. No, we'll get them. <laughs> we'll get MFJ to okay. send one uh, direct to the winner. Yeah, I'm sure somebody'd like to have that. I'm sure, a lot of people'd like to have it. Well, I'm sure there are too. And since we're about to give this stuff away here a little later in the show, it'd be nice to have something to give away next month too. Yeah, that'd be great. Just in time for Thanksgiving. Perfect. <laughs> There's something to be thankful for. So. If you wanted to win that, well, how would how do you think you'd go about doing well, that? Well, just so happened to have the instructions right here. Now that's at amateurlogic.tv/contest. It is, and it's basically the same rules of the contest that we've been running here. Uh, you got to be a licensed U.S. or Canadian amateur radio operator with a U.S. or Canadian shipping address. Only one entry per contestant sending more than one entry will disqualify the applicant. And uh, the winner is responsible if there are any taxes incurred. The winner agrees to use his or her call sign and name and promotional and news items related to the contest. And the contestants can't be an employee or affiliate of AmateurLogic or MFJ. All you got to do is send us an email to rigpiecontest at amateurlogic.tv. That's rigpiecontest at amateurlogic.tv. And include in there uh, just your call sign only on the subject line. Just your call sign. Then down in the bottom of the uh, message in the body, uh, give us your name, uh, call sign, class of license, and uh, an address. You know, just so we know who the, who the winner is and where to send it. And you can enter any time between now which is, we're shooting this on October the 11th, and Thursday, November the 14th of 2019. And we'll just do a random drawing, just like we're doing uh, with the contest. The, the usual way we do yeah, it. The usual way we do it. Go get all the details at amateurlogic.tv slash contest. It's a great little device. Uh, so, anyway, get your entry in as soon as possible. Yep. How long will it take HR to process my uh, resignation so that I can enter? Oh, this is like the mafia. You can't quit. Yeah. Oh, man. Once you're in the family. We've got an offer you can't refuse. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be back in just a moment because there's a lot more to go yet. Some some really interesting things here, and Peter's going to tell us about uh, his his recent ham fest. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. After months of extensive development and testing, it's finally here and ready to take remote operation to another level. The new RigPi station server from MFJ and Howard Nurse, W6HN, is going to change the way you think about getting on the air. Why be bound by the four walls of your ham shack when you can take it with you wherever you go? The MFJ1234 Rig Pi lets you operate from anywhere you have an internet connection on your Apple or Android mobile device, iPad, tablet, Kindle, laptop, or desktop computer without additional hardware. Just fire up any web browser and get on the air. Rig Pi connects to most any transceiver with cat control. Operate single sideband, CW, AM, FM, digital, or any mode your radio supports. Operate your rotor. CW Keen, digital modes, logging, spot monitoring, call book lookups, and more. 32 user programmable macros let you control the features you want. 
Two or more hams from different locations can operate different radios at the same time using a single rig pie. The MFJ1234 Raspberry Pi's Raspbian operating system comes with many free programs installed, like FT8, RIDI, WSJTX, FL Digi, a word processor, email, and spreadsheet. Plus, thousands of Linux-based programs, including many for ham radio, are available. The RigPi Station server is available as separate modules, allowing you to customize it a piece at a time or get the complete unit with RigPi Base, OS firmware, audio board, and CW keyer board. The RigPi audio board connects to your radio and serves send-and-receive audio to your mobile device, or use it to operate digital modes like FT8 and FL Digi. It includes IQ inputs for use in pen adapters and has built-in isolation transformers for RF and Humphrey audio. The keyer board generates perfect Morse code using the popular K1EL wind keyer chip. Just connect your favorite paddle. Software modules for RigPi will be available on GitHub as a free open source download so you can add your own features in the future. Get your MFJ1234 RigPi today and take your remote operation to the next level. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. Peter, you've been out for a few months since we've really talked with you here, and I know that you had a trip planned to Germany over the over the summer for uh, us. Indeed, that's right. And, uh, yeah, I did a four-week trip around Europe, I uh, had lunch at the uh, Eiffel Tower, which was great, and uh, went to the Czech Republic, um, Netherlands, uh, France, uh, had a great time. But I, the main reason for going was to go to Friedrichshafen to see what their ham fest was like. And, uh, yeah, there was um, a bit of an eye-opener. One, one of the things that really uh, surprised me was that People talk about Friedrichshafen as being the biggest ham fest in Europe. And whilst there's a lot of representation from other countries, it's still very much a German ham fest. And uh, the other thing is that the uh, the people there, the Germans, um, surprisingly enough, don't speak as much English as people often say they do. So um, you, you may find a little difficulties with the, uh, from a language perspective when you go. But having said that, there's representation from the UK and elsewhere, and uh, it's quite a um, quite a nice meet. Friedrichshafen's a beautiful city, and uh, yeah, now we're just looking at a bit of uh, footage now from um, uh, which I took uh, whilst I, I was over there. You've got a, a they've got a big hall which is just outside the airport uh, that you can go uh, go to. Uh, that's where it's held, and um, uh, it's very, in, in a sense, it's very much like uh, most of the larger ham fests with, you know, mo- lots of modern stalls, uh, lots of clubs in particular, a little bit like ham, uh, the ham fair in, uh, uh, in Japan as well, uh, but also a lot of um, uh, European exhibitors, a lot of radios that perhaps don't get exhibited so much um, in uh, the United States or, or elsewhere. And so... Uh, yeah, quite, uh, 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 quite, quite good. And as usual, of course, there's a few uh, sort of like uh, sellers selling secondhand equipment as well, um, as well as uh, quite a number of uh, uh, modern radios. Of course, you'll need to do some um, uh, currency conversions uh, as uh, as you go along, uh, convert from your euros uh, into American dollars. Uh, 
but uh, but yeah, lots of antennas and so uh, you of mentioned all kinds. that they um, they don't speak that much English. How did you handle that? Well, um, uh, I'm fortunate that I speak a, a bit of French and Dutch, uh, although I didn't use it that much uh, there. Um, it, it, I didn't uh, put it this way. The people that you need to speak to, uh, by that I mean um, people, uh, let's say, at the cafe, for example, or... Um, uh, well, actually, well, one good example is actually I was on the train going down uh, to, to get here, okay, and the chap I was speaking with didn't speak English, okay, but we conversed in, in French for uh, about half an hour, so that was um, that's, that's where it's handy to have those extra languages. Um, but, uh, no, I didn't really – you won't – unless you want to buy something or you want to inquire about something, uh, it, it's uh, – most of the time, there'll be several people at each booth, and somebody will speak a bit of English, so you get by one way or another. Um, but just as I say, uh, I, I, you do. Ha there is this uh, I call a bit of a myth, saying, "Oh, you know, all the Germans speak per perfect English." Uh, it's not quite the truth. Um, there's certainly plenty of people that do, but there's also quite a few people that don't. So you've got to keep that in mind. But having said that, the range of equipment is. Um, Second to that, you'll certainly see uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of di different equipment, particularly European manufacturers. The uh, other thing, by the way, if you are going to Friedrichshafen, which is by I forget which lake it is, it might be Lake Constance, but uh, it's uh, if you're going there, first of all, I recommend you fly in via Zurich. It's about a two-hour train trip from Zurich to get around to Friedrichshafen, around the edge of the lake. And uh, you should do what I did, which was to stay in a town called Ravensburg, which is about 10 miles away from uh, from Friedrichshafen. And it's quite easily accessible uh, by rail uh, with frequent trains. Uh, Ravensburg is a lovely old city, uh, very traditional, not uh, bombed out in the war or anything like that. Beautiful town square. Um, and uh, the particular hotel I stayed at had a picture of Ange Angela Merkel, the uh, president of um, uh, Germany, uh, in the foyer. And she had apparently apparently actually stayed there at one point in time. So, uh, yeah, so that was um, – I, I found that just a, a nice little uh, place to visit in its own right. But uh, if you like fishing, I think you would enjoy the uh, fishing from the lake – uh, there's also a Zeppelin museum, which I didn't get to see, but uh, that would be uh, uh, also worth checking out when you're when you're there. There's also uh, they also set up a free bus to take you from the main train station uh, out to uh, the back of the airport where this particular uh, exhibit uh, uh, hall is, which is huge, by the way. Um, it's not just a hall; it's really a complex. And um, yeah, there's a few dishes there on the left. And, yeah, so I think uh, on the left, the, what you just passed was actually a lot of kids trying out uh, a lot of, is the Swiss, uh, a lot of kids trying out little experiments and things like that. And uh, I've seen that at other hand fairs that I've actually gone to as well. So how would you so, compare this to, say, uh, Tokyo Ham Fair? It's very similar at a certain level but with more European ex exhibits that, and more um, 
what what springs to mind immediately, apart from the whole very very hot weather in in uh, uh, in Tokyo, is that they had a, a, a quite a number of clubs. There was a huge representation from Southeast Asian and Japanese clubs uh, in uh, Tokyo, and plenty of um, uh, particularly Asian exhibitors. Okay, here you've got um, more European clubs. And more European exhibitors, but you also have the main uh, Japanese icon, Yesu, etc., uh, as well. So you're in a different part of the world. You're going to get um, different uh, dif- different uh, uh, countries being represented. Okay, but I think this is the closest thing you'll get to a pan-European, um, uh, shall we say, uh, ham fest. If you are concerned about the language side of things, you might be better off going to the National Ham Fest, forget what its name is, in England, and um, then you won't have any uh, language problems whatsoever. So uh, I'm told that that ham fest is pretty big. But this was um, uh, Japanese Amateur Radio League there, which is uh, great. Um, but uh, it was fun. It was uh, fun meeting a, a whole lot of people um, and wandering around and uh, also Make, taking full advantage of the fact that I'm in southern Germany, which is a beautiful part of the world, and a uh, lot of history, uh, some positive, some negative, obviously. But uh, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, just remember, uh, as we as the people in my part of the world say, and also the British, uh, don't mention the war. <laughs> but uh, uh, but otherwise, yeah, look, people are very very friendly, helpful. Um, Sometimes because of the language barriers, people can be, uh, the Germans can be a little bit uh, removed. They're nice enough people. It's just the language barrier, which is the difficulty. But those that speak English well uh, tend to be very, very friendly and uh, outgoing, which is good. Oh, yeah. Looks like a a big ham fest there. Did you buy anything? No, I didn't buy anything, but uh, I, um, they certainly had uh, one of the things you'll notice is that they'll often, um, uh, and it seems to be a European tradition, when you go to the hotels there uh, or to these exhibits, they'll often have little sweets, little lollies um, for you uh, free of charge. So uh, you go around and you pick up sweets or wherever you go, which is a lot of fun. Mm. Quite tasty. Uh, one of your... Um well, let's say, oh no, that was email. He wants to know if this is where germanium comes from. <laughs> germanium? <laughs> I suspect not. No, it probably has a, there's probably another reason why. It's probably named after somebody with the surname German, I suspect. But um, you probably would find some um, crystals, uh, uh, some diodes there with germa- germanium, or is it germane? I always never say that right. But anyway, some, uh, some little. Uh, crystals for your crystal set uh with, with that in, in them so as as far as the kits and the projects and things would you say that they had that uh, familiar german build quality to them like top-notch you know oh yeah very, very detailed yeah, yeah. Any, any, anything german is is good quality in my book so I, I i can't think of ever having seen a kit or a um uh, anything produced that was second rate. So, yeah, if you're buying anything German, you're buying good quality. 
in my books. Um, I will say this, though. There probably isn't the range of kits that you would find of all that come out of America. America it seems to have a lot of different uh, kit producers, which is a great thing. Um, so, um, but uh, uh, certainly uh, lots of equipment. Uh, some ex-war stuff as well uh, in amongst all that. Um, so... Uh, uh, if you know your war equipment, you probably could get some um, interesting equipment that you probably wouldn't be able to get in America. Oh, I bet. Yeah, there's some interesting-looking devices there. Some some of the stuff mm-hmm. looks familiar. Some is, well, I hate to use the term, but totally foreign to me. <laughs> well, uh we, uh, I think we joked at one point in time that uh, so that uh, when I did episode thirteen, that uh, uh, some of the stuff that you were looking at uh, at the Hamfest I covered uh, here in Melbourne, uh, you'd actually seen at a previous Hamfest, <laughs> but you were saying it's the same yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just shipped around the world looking for a buyer, but um, yeah. So look, I hope this this little video at least gives you a flavour. Um, yeah. Because I didn't have a cameraman, I couldn't do any interviews, unfortunately. But uh, uh, the particular, um, a particular, what is it, a phone that I, I film this on actually has, um, um, what is it, optical, uh, I'm trying to think what the name of it is, but it smooths out the video, yeah. takes out the bumps, which is good. So it actually gave quite a good video of the, uh, the ham fest. Stabilization. Yeah, optical sta- uh, image stabilization. It's um, yeah, it's quite good. The only unfortunate thing was, um, as I explained to you, gentlemen, uh, I actually had the footage stored on my phone, and uh, a couple of days later, uh, Xiaomi, which is the phone manufacturer, sent an over-the-air update and bricked my phone, which I was not happy about. Fortunately, I had uploaded the footage which you just showed to Facebook. And so I had a copy there, which I was able to show you today. So it wasn't a total loss. But, uh, yeah, look, um, if you're considering a trip to Europe, uh, see if you can work in a trip to Friedrichshaven. Um, It's a great part of the world to visit. Uh, It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a a great place to spend a couple of days. And there's uh, plenty of history to, to look at as well. Oh, yeah. It looks like a really nice venue. Was it air conditioned? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Um, I can't say I noticed it, but I didn't feel particularly hot in there, so I presume it was. By the way, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Nigel, GM0MEJ, who I actually uh, corresponded with uh, via Echolink when I was uh, there as well. So, well, hi there, Nigel. Um, Yeah, I believe it's Echo, uh, sorry, uh, air-conditioned, and as I said, there are... Uh, modern buses free that will take you from the train station to the actual uh, venue, which is a, a state of the art, just same as in Japan, state of the art modern exhibition hall um, with uh, this catering. We can go get a meal and a, a drink and whatnot, and um, yeah, uh, just a, a, a different experience. You probably won't do it every year, but you know, it, I recommend you do it at least once. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely one of those. Top ham fest of the, oh, yeah. the world. Yeah, it's mm. on my bucket list to do one day. Yeah, well, I've, I've ticked off Japan. I've ticked off Friedrichshaven. <laughs> so at some point, uh, Dayton will be uh, covered. That, that, <laughs> means, that means something different yeah, here in the U.S. Yeah, it's an interesting choice of words. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, you checked off. We would say you checked off. But oh, yeah. No. Ticked off. Okay, no, no, no. Ticked off, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, but, yeah, no, uh, to go see Dayton, uh, people always talk about it being the biggest ham fest. Sorry to t- tell you the truth, guys, but Japan is actually the biggest ham fest in terms of attendance by a big margin. But yeah, I think in, in other respects, it's quite it's one of the biggest, uh, if not the biggest in the world, uh, out at Dayton. So be good, good to actually see uh, see what that's like. All right, George, now I'm ticked off. Yep. I, I could see it, Emil. I saw it Sorry, America is number two. Oh, I don't know. From here on in, it's going to be Japan first. <laughs> and, and square footage alone, though. Now, I don't know about the new venue, but the old one, uh, when they were at, at Hara Arena, just... Just the square footage alone of that ham fest yeah, is, is, is off the chart. That's the new one's pretty big too. Well, it is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, boy, we appreciate you at least capturing that video before uh, the Chinese bricked your phone. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, all part of the Chinese plot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, that was a, you know I had no idea. What what the ham fest looked like, and that that gives me a pretty good idea of, of what to expect if I went over there. Yeah, yeah. it looks pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, um, any excuse to get away for a holiday is always good. Yeah. Yep. Can't yep. argue with that. So if you're retiring next year, you won't have holidays anymore, will you? It'll just be all <laughs> one continuous. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I probably will do at least some part-time work, um, but I'm just not sure of the extent or, um, uh, you know, so uh, uh, I, I'm still working out wh- how, uh, but I certainly won't be sitting at home doing nothing. I will um, might do some oh, study yeah. or, yeah. you know, uh, it can go do something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that was certainly interesting. What do you think, Emil? That's a little bigger than than say the the ham fest at Rain. Yeah, definitely, and um, uh, it's like a lot of interesting booths. I like. Uh, I did notice, and I think somebody in the chat room noticed that uh, seems to be a lot more younger uh, involvement. Maybe no, that's interesting. I did not did not notice that. But uh, that did you did you find bit- that to be true, Peter? Um, no, no, no. I think ma- most of the major ham fests these days generally have an area set aside for youth, okay, to uh, to encourage youth to experiment uh, with uh, a few different things, a bit of soldering and whatnot. And so that was pretty typical from my perspective. I will say this, though, um, in terms of ham fest, my personal favourite is Japan. And the reason it's my favourite is because um, there's a they work in a little bit of the anime culture. So some of the people actually dress up when they go to uh, uh, as characters. Um, you, I don't know whether you've uh, seen a little photo of, that I got of uh, myself with one of the uh, maids uh, yeah. in Japan. <laughs> the yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I think we call yes. it cos cosplay here. Cosplay, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of people that do that. And um, so there's a little bit of that uh, sort of modern Japanese culture in there, which is a lot of fun. And the Japanese are all, always very, very pre- friendly, although they, don't, although you know they don't speak, speak much English at all. But it is what it is. Yeah. 
Cool. Mm. Well, Emil, the Rain Ham Fest is small, but it's a fun. It's fun. Oh, it is. It, it is. It's seriously fun. I, I bet the crawfish are much oh, yeah, better at rain than they would be in, in Germany. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, just quickly, I have to say, probably the friendliest one I've struck so far is Huntsville. Oh, yeah. Well, that's their claim to fame, friendliest Ham right. Fest in the world. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So, all, all well worth visiting. Oh, yeah. Well, Emil, you know, I didn't know. Well, I, I kind of knew you were into audio with the music and all this kind of stuff. But I did not know that our tastes were aligned when it came to adjusting the audio on your rig. Yeah. So I got to tell you, this month uh, I wanted to take somewhat of a step back. Been doing a lot of pie work, and you know we're just getting past the summer, and it sure is noisy on those uh, lower bands. So I, I took a step back to my earlier days when I first got my general ticket, and get, just got an HF rig, you know, all excited, and I had some Elmers that taught me um, how to deal with some of that noise, especially you know there's a lot of people close in within a 300 mile range that we kind of uh, rag chew with on the coast down here. And, you know, a few of those guys uh, taught me some trips, uh, tips and tricks on how to beat that noise using the, uh, the rigs um, features with sensitivity and uh, the audio, as you are well aware. So uh, it can be used by some new uh, HFers, you know, somebody just getting on uh, HF or maybe even the winner of the grand prize uh, tonight who might be a new ham getting into HF. And so here's a, here's a tip and trick that I learned from one of my homers. Have you ever heard the noise on HF to the point where it just aggravates you. You got to do something about it. And did you know you could use the RF gain and the AF gain to find a sweet spot to help you out with that? Check this out. It's, uh, it's sort of uh, uh, shaped like a C, uh, a block C, and uh, it's uh, probably 225 feet. tricks is to find the sweet spot from your RF gain and your AF gain and your AGC's speed control if you have it. So uh, adjust those three 
until you find that sweet spot. I like to think of it as uh, a, the AGC stops pulsing from listening to the signal versus the noise floor and uh, where I can smooth it out, where the noise basically just disappears, um, especially with strong signals, uh, which is why I like the HF part of this. Check it out again. How's the size of that mountain doing down there? just use noise reduction well I found that it introduces some pixelization or digital artifacts into the audio which makes it a little bit harder to understand for me um, also found it reduced the fidelity of what I was listening to um, pretty much probably filtering the, uh, some of the highs and, and uh, other frequencies so I um, mean, in general, this is pretty much for strong signals. It's really to uh, reduce the fatigue of listening to all that noise. You, there's no need to, especially when you're uh, reg chewing, let's say, on the lower bands, and you just want to uh, get knock out some of that no noise, the most most of the noise, and enjoy uh, talking and listening. So, seven three K five Q K R. That is the way to do it. Why sit there and listen to all that noise when you can just turn the RF gain, uh, reduce its sensitivity, and, you know, it, it's going to reduce the level coming out of the rig, crank up your volume a little bit to compensate for that, and you don't have to listen to that constant static. You, you know, just one thing I'll say is that that whole segment was... Uh, shot with the uh, noise reduction because the rig I have has noise reduction mm -hmm. and the noise blanker even to get rid of um, some ignition noise or other things all that was off yeah so you I mean there was one of those segments where the noise 
floor just disappeared, and all I heard was the the peaks. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, so it's it's good stuff to know. And that's you know, since if if anybody's just getting into HF, you might not think of that. You might think that you know, just slam that sensitivity gain all the way open. Otherwise, you're not going to hear anybody. Well, that's just not the case on, especially mm-hmm. on the lower bands. Yeah, you may drop the really weak signals, and you might have to you know adjust it back when somebody really weak is on. But, uh, yeah, don't use any more RF gain than you need, and you're not amplifying the noise. It's best if you can kill the noise at the source, which is right there, than to use some kind of filtering or DSP to take it out. Now, you know, I use DSP. I I use it judiciously, though, because I found out if you do use too much of it, you call it pixelating, I call it artifacts. You know, you just you hear uh, you yep. hear it adding its own uh, un- un- unfortunate <laughs> sound yeah. to the audio. You Im- know, imperfections. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And somebody yes. in the I, chat room, uh, mm-hmm. somebody in the chat room mentioned it as well. Um, you know, the use of headphones, obviously, like we're doing here, and other things can all help and contribute to that. But man. Get that RF gain uh, where it needs, you know, find that sweet spot. Yeah, and it's it's it also helps particularly if you're going to be listening for a long time because otherwise you're going to get fatigued sitting there listening to all that noise when you didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it really it really wears on your ears and uh, give you a headache for it does me anyway. Oh, me I too. To it for a while. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, you, if you get that noise level down, mm-hmm. it sure makes it a lot pl- more pleasurable listening. Yeah. Well, email, mm-hmm. you had something you were going to mention tonight. One of our buddies over at uh, ICOM, Mr. Uh, Ray Novak. Rock and Ray. Uh, Rock and Ray posted a uh, an article about uh, something he found, and it kind of resonates with uh, my cheapness. Um, (laughs) he says he writes george i found a flea market led lighting system for the at home ham studios well there you go see here i am um he found a quiet 12 volt dc power supply a rig runner a five strand or five strands of leds a few power pole connectors to arrange them around his room and all for under $50. And that's the part that really struck me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Got to yeah. hand it to him. Yeah, you know, I, I guess Ray has learned a thing or two from you about uh, budgetary uh, compliance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job, Ray. Yeah, good job, Ray. There's still more to go, and we haven't even talked about giving away that rig. But yet. you have to tell me what it was while we're on break. Okay. (laughs) Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. Make the most out of contest season with one of these ICOMs today. IC7610, the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicel, or 
Get the IC7300, changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Keep your competitive edge with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC7851 is the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. And, uh, boy, su- supplying the grand prize will be given away here shortly. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's been one of our most excellent sponsors. Most excellent. So I uh, appreciate everything they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, email, I, while we took that break, I was able to find what I was looking for here. And I think you've got a little bit of explaining to do. I did not realize that you had been uh, perhaps moonlighting. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. For me, money is not everything. I was more interested in doing good and helping people. <laughs> I, I sure do look like Colonel Sanders there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you feel about fried chicken? Is it? Yeah, I have no problems with fried chicken. <laughs> I'm personally all for it. It tastes like chicken. Right. And then, well, then I can understand that. If you really like the chicken, that's okay. But you made an appearance in a movie here, and it's been a good while. This is probably before we knew you. But, you know, the subject of music came up, and mm-hmm. I guess maybe you... This is before you learned to tune it properly and what it was really for. Tell us what what this is about. That wardrobe, man. Wow. That's uh that's quite the nylon string guitar there. Uh I don't I'm not sure that's how you're supposed to play it. Yeah. Um it, it might be upside down, but yeah, I, I guess this was what one of my gigs that a lot of got maybe a little out of control. Yeah, uh, yeah. It works for you. So when you were in college, right? That's yeah. That's you know you try certain things out when you're in college. You know. Yeah. Toga, toga, toga. <laughs> Do we have a certain a person to thank for these? Oh yeah, I, I think we can. Uh, we can thank Mike the E three M I C for bringing these to the light. Of <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. He had. To, he, I'm sure he had to scour the internet to find those. Oh, yeah. But they were out there, so be careful of what you post on your social media. <laughs> Even if it was 30 years before the Internet. <laughs> okay. Um, for my segment tonight, you may remember back at field day, I had my IC7000 rig. I remember I, like I was right there. You were right there. Yeah. And I had the um, the SDR play, and I had this little magic box right here, this uh, MFJ uh, SDR transceiver mm-hmm. interface. 
that helped me hook all that together and make it work. And so basically, I, I had an SDR there at Field Day, but I had my uh, non-SDR radio. And so I, I had all the functions. I could point and click on the screen and it tuned my rig there. And, well, let's just take a look at this. I promised that I was going to show you how I did it and the, the things you'd need to know to set yours up to, to be able to use those all in conjunction like that. Because i got to tell you, it really made Phil Day a breeze. I, yeah, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. it. It was nice. Back in episode 132 of Amateur Logic, Phil Day from the South, I showed you what I was using for my ham station there, using an SDR Play Duo and an MFJ-1708B SDR switch. It worked out great. If you have not watched that video yet, I suggest you go back and watch it. Here's a link here. It will show you how I was using this setup. It's kind of necessary to know why you'd want to do the following steps. There are several other pieces that we're going to need besides what you actually saw demonstrated there. Just a couple of software pieces mainly and one little piece of hardware. My laptop does not have a serial port on it. So... I used a serial port adapter that you saw there in the video. And I built my own ICV interface to connect that serial port to my IC7000 rig. I searched around and found a circuit published by G3VGR. And it's a modified version of one that he found from OK2WY. This is a CIV interface for ICOM rigs. You know, normally today you would use a MAX 232 IC to do this, but you can use this little circuit here with just a couple of transistors and do the same thing. While it doesn't exactly meet the RS-232 specifications, it'll work just fine. And I didn't have a MAX 232 in my junk box, but I did have a couple of 2N2222As, and that's what I used. Here it is right here on the breadboard. I just stuck it on there to test out things. I took me a DB9 connector, and I actually soldered some little uh, female headers across the rear there so that I could plug in some test leads and jump it down to the board. Now, the interface I'm going to use is this one. I don't even know what brand this is. I've had it for years. It's a USB to RS-232 adapter. It works well with my laptop, so I know that works. I need to know if this interface is going to work, though, to connect to the ICOM rig. So I'll just plug in the RS-232 adapter here to the laptop and to this interface and test it out. On the other end of the cable here, I've got, well, I've got an adapter right here because this is all a temporary thing for testing. This is just a female mini plug. That's what it takes on the IC7000. It's not a stereo. It's a mono plug. And I've just got an adapter to connect this up. You can see there's not much to it here. It's, it's kind of spread out on the board, but it's just a couple of transistors and about three resistors, a couple of diodes, and a capacitor. If all this works out correctly, like I hope it will, then I'm going to try to mount it compact-like into the hood for a DB9 connector. I've got one here, and I've cut a little piece of strip board out that'll just fit inside of there when the connector's installed. And 
I hope there's enough room on this that I can mount those transistors and the assorted components. I think maybe there'll just be enough for it. And then I'll have the whole thing right here in a DB9 shell, and I can just plug that into the RS-232 interface. And I'm off to the races. And here's the finished product. It is a bit cramped, but I did get it to fit inside the DB9 connector. Now I've just got to hook it up and see if it still works. First thing we should do is go to the search panel on Windows and search for Device Manager. When we find it, we'll look down till we find Ports and drop that down with a little arrow to the left of it and look at what COM ports we have. You'll probably only see one COM port if you've got a single serial port on your computer. In my case, of course, it was the external dongle I plugged in. And that is the A10 USB to serial bridge. And it's chosen COM3. Now, these other ports down here, don't worry about them at the moment. They, they came from something else. So we just want to find our serial device on the computer and determine what COM port it is. In this case, it is COM3. Now we'll connect our interface to our rig, in my case an IC7000, and we'll use Ham Radio Deluxe or FL Digi or whatever we want, set it up for COM3, and make sure that we've got communications working between our rig and the computer. And I highly recommend that you pull up the documentation for your SDR Uno software and search for the chapter on cat commands. Here we'll give you all the details you need to know to set it up. Once you have that working, you'll want to grab a couple of software packages. The first one is OmniRig. It's at dxatlas.com slash OmniRig. This allows you to send cat commands to different radios regardless of the actual commands of the radio. This kind of standardizes it into a library that will allow you to talk with almost any program to any rig. You'll also need a virtual serial port driver because there's no real serial port in our SDR Play RSP Duo. This driver will allow us to communicate with the SDR Play using a virtual COM port. This part can be a little confusing, so just try to hang in here and I'll try to make sense out of what's happening. We know there's really only one serial port in this computer, and that is COM3. And we've got it connected to our IC7000 or whatever ham rig we're using. So on OmniRig, I'm going to set up Rig 1. I'm going to choose the type of rig I've got, and there's a lot of different choices here. But I am choosing my rig, the IC7000V2. And we choose the serial port, which is COM3. That's the actual serial port in this computer. And we'll set baud rate, data bits, parity, stop bits, all of these other settings, uh, as I've got them set here, or to match the settings that are in your rig. If you have trouble communicating, you might drop the baud rate down to uh, something a little bit slower. 19,200 seemed to work fine for me. That's got our HF rig connected to a real serial port. Now we'll need to set up a pair of virtual serial ports that we can use 
with the SDR Plays SDR Uno software. So I'm creating two virtual ports here, or one pair. I'm going to create one on COM6, and the other will be COM4. For Rig 2 of OmniRig, I've selected COM4, and I've set the rig type to TS480. The SDR Uno software uses the same cat commands as Kenwood rigs, and they suggest a TS480 as a good place to start. And I've set up baud rates and such. And that's one of my virtual pair. The other is COM6. COM6 is going to be used with SDR Uno. On the SDR Play RX control window, we choose the Set button. And then we choose the Cat tab. Right here is where we set it to COM6. And we choose a baud rate that matches what we had specified in OmniRig. And we choose Enable and Connect. Now, the rig and SDR Play should track each other. When we change frequency on one, the frequency should change on the other, as well as a few other settings. And that's how it's done. Now, it's going to take you a little experimenting to get this right with your setup. But this is basically what you're going to be doing. Play with the different COM port settings. You'll eventually find the ones that work right for you. Be sure to use your MFJ1708B SDR transmit receive switch or one of their other TR switches so that you can safely combine both receivers and your transmitter at the same time. That's how I did it. That's all you had right. to say about that, huh? Pretty much. I could go on, but <laughs> but why? <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. It, uh, as far as for field day operations, that was it was very awesome. It worked yep. out great, much uh, much smoother than I would have expected. Once I got it going, uh, I didn't didn't have any problems. It just worked. Yeah, yeah it's it's cool. I really should set that up on mine. You should. Yeah, same here. You had something to discuss tonight that looked a little dangerous to me. Yeah, it was a Facebook post. I didn't do an email this time, and it's actually not really 100% amateur radio, but I thought it was kind of fascinating. Well, it does have radio in it. It does. Uh, this mm. is from uh, a Facebook <laughs> post from Joe Campbell. He said, my dad worked at the Oak Ridge National Labs X10 plant for 42 years. If it was radioactive, he worked with it. It found a small bottle with a small shielded bottle inside with a radioactive label on it. Close it up, move it to the far corner of the house. I can't blame him for that. He ordered a Geiger counter. The container was safe. An isotope for medical use whose half-life uh, made it dead now. I did find a hot source in the house. The Geiger counter started clicking. It was a small glass vase. Um, it says uranium glass. And, and he posted this little video here. I looked up those uh, little Geiger counters. That's to me, that's fascinating to me. You can get that for about $35. It's a little kit. Um, they had them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Wow. But anyway, that's pretty cool. I, th I thought it was fascinating. Uh, we, we have detectors at work. Uh, I work at a steel plant, and sometimes people will bring... Uh, pipe in 
to recycle it from oil fields, and they'll drop a piece of radioactive material down there to te- to mm-hmm. do some testing. Um, and if they bring that stuff in, those things go off, and it's like a big deal. We, we, they can't accept it. Oh, and wow. they're so sensitive that one lady had, I think it's a thyroid test, where they make you take that right. pill. And when she they drove in, the guy brought her in with him to work one day to do something, to pick something up, and it set the machines off over there. That's how sensitive yeah. they are. But anyway, it's, I thought that was pretty fascinating. Um, it almost makes me want to get one of those little kits, put it together, and see if there's anything in my house like that. So what if there wasn't? Would you have to go find something then? So, so I could test it? Yeah. Or take it out and leave it at work? And oh, yeah. I guess you could do on. that. Luckily, that doesn't uh, happen very often. Yeah. But I thought it was kind of neat, though. It was. That was kind of neat. Well, I think we have probably put it off as long as we can. Although we've only had this radio, the real radio, sitting here for a few days. Well, since I can't, I'm not eligible to win this one, I can't take it home. Can I take the other one? You can have this one right here. Oops. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe we can pack that one in this one. And ship it. I don't know. I think we want a little more packing. <laughs> that, that, that's what we call the light version of the radio. <laughs> exactly. Very. Yeah. That's that's if you're into uh, flat earth ham radio. <laughs> yeah. That's a cardboard defined radio. And that's it's what... 100% recyclable. Made yeah. from recycled yep. material. And, mm-hmm. and green, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't use much energy at all. <laughs> no, that's or at true. all. And it's rock solid frequency wise. I mean, I think we had it here. It's only got one frequency for a month or so. It never drifted whatsoever. None. And the screensaver never shut off. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you should classify that as rock solid. Does it generate any heat? Box hollow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, never needs repair? No. Not so far. Just some tape will take care of it. Yeah. And if you scratch the display on it, you can just print out another one. (laughs) Glue it right on there. Well, I guess it's time we get serious. No, that doesn't ever happen. We'll do the best we can, though. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's nice to have also something to bring in and to show you a little bit, which is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, How how many mystery guests' appearances have we had in 14 years? That? I don't know. I don't know. He may be the first. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, look, uh, it's nice to be invited. Thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. And, you know, any time, you're welcome to drop in and whether Mm -hmm. you got something to show or not. Yeah, it's always good to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, what are we giving away? Well, it's funny you should ask. We're giving away this radio right here, which happens to be an ICOM IC7300 transceiver, courtesy of ICOM America. And, of course, it's a software-defined radio. The first one uh, released by one of the Japanese amateur radio manufacturers. You know, this thing really set the bar way up there for an entry-level rig. Oh, yeah. 
uh, you know, less than a thousand bucks now on the street. Mm -hmm. the, this is probably the most popular radio out there at the moment. I, I would I would think say that's probably very accurate. Yeah, that's why we had the cardboard model over here is because they're just flying off the shelves. <laughs> Not the cardboard ones, no, the no, real ones. The real ones. Uh, you know, it's got RF direct sampling system in it. Uh, great RMDR and phase noise characteristics. Built-in spectrum scope. Mm -hmm. uh, audio scope as well. Touchscreen display. Look at the display. You find a signal you want to listen to. Just tap it, and you're right there. Right, Tommy? Absolutely. Um, boy, what... Built in. George. Yeah. George, I didn't. I didn't catch the model number though. What was the? Because there's several different models that Icon make. Oh yeah. What, which so, particular one is this one? I see seventy three hundred. Yep. Seventy three hundred. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Yep. I, I mean, it's, seriously, it is a great performer in mm -hmm. in this price category. I don't know of anything else that. That really comes close. And it's a real-time spectrum scope, too. I mean, you know, the signals you're seeing are in sync. It's not like it samples and then displays something. No, it's uh, it's full mm -hmm. yeah. When you get used to using that, that spectrum scope on there, man, he's like, you just want to punch the screen on the other ones. That don't. Well, you saw after using one, all the trouble I had to go through for field day since uh, I didn't have an IC7300. Yeah. You know, once you've... Once you've used something like that, hard to go back. Built-in and automatic antenna tuner, uh, SD memory card slot for voice and data storage. Um, does all the, the traditional modes you'd look for in an mm -hmm. HF radio. Uh, of course, covers six meters as well. And it's got the USB port on the back, so you can interface it just like you did to your rig pie, to your rig pie or or whatever you want mm -hmm. to get audio in and out of it, mm -hmm. control. Yeah, you can do your digital modes without having to have another interface box. Yeah. So. And you, I presume you can use Ham Radio Deluxe with it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, probably m most any of the software packages support it. Mm -hmm. uh, and being that software-defined radio, they release uh, firmware updates for it occasionally to add new features mm -hmm. or you know, improve performance. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, it's really been a game changer when it comes to software-defined yeah, radios. It really hurt my feelings. I have to give mine back. Well, it did, too, and it wasn't really <laughs> yours, but <laughs> no. it wasn't really mine either. We we got to use some the first year uh, that, that they were out for field day and made believers out of us. Uh, also, we're going to need an antenna to go with that, and what would you recommend? Well, based off of my field day experience over the last few years, I would recommend the MFJ1836H cobweb antenna. It's a, That's a great performer, and it takes up a fairly small amount of space considering. And this is, this is the six-band model covers... 20, 17, 15, 12, 10, and 6 meters. There's also a model that adds 40 meters to it. It's a full half-wave cobweb antenna, great for restricted spaces and portable operation. Really, this thing had outstanding performance. 
it, it did. It really surprised me how well it worked. I made, actually, every contact I made at Field Day the last couple of years were on it. Yeah. Needs no radials, and it even works great at low heights. Low in cost, big on performance. This is another one of those things that's hard to beat. If you've got a small area or you need an antenna that's uh, fairly portable, mm-hmm. easy to put up, this is the one right here, the MFJ 1835 cobweb, 1836 H cobweb. Yeah, that's better. That's better. That's the actual number for it. Uh, the number has changed since I made this video. This this is the first one. The one we're giving away is actually the high power model of this. Oh, okay. So it's a, a yeah. great antenna. Yeah. Of course, you're going to need a power supply to go with that, too, Tommy. And is there anything you could recommend? Well, you know, this is a pretty nice one i got sitting here in front of me on the table. Well, that's mine. I'm keeping it. Well, how about one like it? Okay. An MFJ 4230 DMP, 12-volt, and 30-amp power supply. Another one courtesy of MFJ Enterprises. Yeah, and it's mighty light, too. It is. And compact that's... portable. We, we view those at field day for the mm-hmm. last... Two or three years. Yeah, now. I've got the analog version of it. Yeah. Um, very nice little supply, and it literally is, is mighty light. Yeah, it's hard to believe it packs 30 amps, too. That's all you need for a 100-watt HF rig. Yeah. Also, you might... The, the rig comes with a hand mic, naturally, but you might want to, say, an upgrade. You might want to use this on your desk. And, and want a desk mic, Emil? Wouldn't wouldn't that be maybe a good it, thing? I mean, especially one from Heil. Yeah. If something like that know, one, if somebody had one they wanted to give away with it. How about a, a Heil ICM microphone, the new BK version? This is uh, or BG. Maybe that's what it is. Let me see. Yeah. I don't have it written down. I think it's it's, it's this it's one some, right here. It's the brand new model. It's uh, instead of gray, this one is black with a gold windscreen on it. Uh, it's got the built-in push-to-talk button, so you can key it right here. Or it's got uh, the connector already installed, so it fits ICOM rigs. There's also a connector right here where you can plug in a foot switch or a hand trigger or whatever you want to use for push to talk with it. And this is a, a special electric microphone house designed just for use with ICOM rigs. It's got a little more output mm-hmm. than a, a standard microphone, so it it matches up good with ICOM Yeah, it's rigs. a good looking mic too. It is. Boy, classic. And what else? You, I mean, you we still well, haven't hooked this thing well, up. Well, we've got a radio. Mm-hmm. We've got a power supply. We've got an antenna sitting out in the yard. We really need to connect the two. That's so a good what idea. About, what about 100 feet of coax? Like RG8X, it? courtesy of MFJ Enterprises as well. Oops. Sorry, okay. that was kind of loud, wasn't it? Now, that sounds like a good deal to me. 100 feet ought to reach. And this is not the actual coax. So no, and that's not nearly 100 feet either. It's not nearly RG8X either. No. But you'll get the real deal. You will. And you might, I don't know, you might want to know what time it is. Yeah. You may want to yeah. get reminded of the ID every 10 minutes. If you act now, 
<laughs> We're going to throw in, yeah, this MFJ148RC radio control clock. It, yeah. <laughs> it shows. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Two disc knives? Huh? Steak knives? No, no <laughs> steak knives. <laughs> but we'll talk to Martin and see. You know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> there, two simultaneous displays on it. I set one for my local time, central time here, and and you can display twelve or twenty-four hours on it. As a matter of fact, there is a switch right there. Yep. Got a switch for daylight yep. savings time. Uh, yeah, switch to cover daylight savings time. And on the other side, I put UTC because that's the two times I'm interested in being yeah, a ham. That's how I have mine set. It's got the WWV receiver built into it, so it automatically adjusts the time itself. Built-in backlight so you can see it in the dark. And there's a 10-minute ID timer on it, so it'll send you a little beep every 10 minutes to let you know it's time to identify. And it's right on the money, too, every 10 minutes. Every, yeah, it uh, is right on the money. So, yeah, it's great. I, li I like mine, too. It's big enough I don't have to put my glasses on to see what time it is. Yep. And to enter the contest, we were just asking that you were, you know, you're licensed. We didn't say what class. Well, if you win this rig, you'll... You're going to want at least a general class license. Definitely. You know, if you got a general already, you might you might want to upgrade to extra. Yeah. What if I'm already an extra? Well, you might just want to say give a technician book to someone to help them get started. And there's no better books to study for your ham exam. You see how I did that? Wasn't yeah. that? Yeah, that was, was a really smooth transition yeah. right there. Go, our friend. <laughs> Gordo, WB6NOA, writes the best ham radio study guides here for the United States. Uh, he's got general class, technician class, extra class, whatever license you're studying for. Gordo covers it in detail here. All the questions in the pool, and these are up to date. As a matter of fact, this one is pretty much brand new right here. Yeah. They've just released a new general yeah. pool. And they're, they're not just the questions and the answers. It's no. a good explanation for each one of them in there. Yep. Uh, so. And Gordo, color pictures, drawings, uh, good details and, and extra tips so that you don't, won't only know the answer, you'll know why that's the answer. Yeah, that, that's, that's very important. Yeah. Yep. Without a doubt, the best amateur radio study material that's out there. We highly recommend uh, Gordon West. Amateur Radio Study Guides from our friends at W5YI.org. Yep, thanks to those guys for providing those. Oh, yeah. They they have a number of other books, though, that I did not realize they were the publishers. Oh, yeah? We'll talk about some of those in the future because I, think, I think you'll like some of them. Awesome. And one final deal to sweeten the pot here, but Tommy. Wait, Emil, but wait, there's more. Yep. You know, Tommy, I have the issue that my... PL259s on that coax don't match the windscreen on my microphone. But we've got some coordinate, color-coordinated ones here. Boy, we do, if don't we? If we can get them out from behind. Uh... 
the guests there. <laughs> that I mean, that's just like a perfect match. match perfect. It? We'll throw in mm-hmm. a pair of those too. That's the amateur logic commemorative full gold. gold. Yeah. <laughs> really not recommended to run RF through those though. No. But but they're nice to look and at. And they're stylish. They are very stylish. You might want to make a nose ring out of one. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I hear people do that. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm still well, waiting. It seems like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> at least it did at the time anyway. Yeah, right? at the time. Could All be right. painful. So what more could you want? You know, the whole rig there from plugging it in the wall to hooking it to the antenna and grabbing the mic and talking. Everything That's the full need. package. That is the full deal. I guess we're going to have to give it away. And right before the show tonight, we drew a random number. Wait, I'll, I'll, I can pull the name out of the hat. You can? Yeah. That's it. You got the, the hat's right there. Okay. Yep. Oh. Well, there. That's a that's a random entry right there. Yeah, I just so happen to have a random entry. So, who is going to be this year's <laughs> lucky winner? The lucky winner. As soon as I put my spectacles on, Earl Griffith, WA4 KBT. He's an amateur extra, and he's from the great state of Tennessee. Okay. So congratulations, Earl. Congratulations. WA4KBT. We'll be getting in touch with you right away and be shipping this out to you. I know you're going to enjoy it. And, hey, email, he's probably close enough. Once he puts up that antenna, we can talk to him. Yep. Sounds like it. Yep. Yeah. So that's exciting. He's going to have a fun time Thanksgiving. I don't know if he's retired or works or whatever, but uh, yeah. he's off for Thanksgiving and have a lot of fun yep. during the break. Yeah, you're going to like that, Earl. And thanks to everyone who entered the contest. And thanks to the great sponsors, MFJ, Heil Sound, ICOM America, and, and uh, W5YI. Yep, and Gordon. Yep. And the, the Chinese for the connectors. Well, I don't know if they're really sponsors. But we, uh, yeah, I'm not sure you really call it, consider those real connectors. They're almost like faux connectors, too. Well, that, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, wow. Well, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, for the last several years, these sponsors have contributed to this prize for our anniversary special. Yep. And we really appreciate them and all they do. But and, we, But if you didn't win this contest... You we just moved right into another contest, so don't forget about the rig pod contest that's going on at the same time. Yep. If you go to amateurlogic.tv slash contest, you could win uh, an MFJ1234 rig pie. Rig pie? Rig pie. Yeah. Some, we're gonna, this is going to be a short contest here. There's only a month to enter. Uh, you've got to have your entry in by, when did I say? November, uh, November 14th. the 14th. So uh, get them in right away. Only enter once, and we'll be awarding this to someone next month. Yep. If Earl's lucky, he could win this too and and operate no, his rig remotely. That would be pretty cool. It would yeah. be quite a uh, coincidence. It would be. 
But he's certainly qualified. Um, well, he is. Yeah. yeah. We, we read the qualifications earlier, so, you know, amateurlogic.tv slash contest. Get the details right there. Well, uh, let's see. A couple of more things we want to talk about here. I know, Emil, you were wanting to do a contest yourself. We were talking about that. Seems like I, I noticed well, you raised kind of eyebrows surprised. there. <laughs> we did? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks to email. I, I don't know if we can do this email, but it would make a nice cheap old contest. <laughs> it is nice yeah the big league bait casting line big league bait <laughs> casting line to get your antenna wire up and of course your antenna uh close line a good set of rabbit ears good set of rabbit ear antennas uh a pair of 600 ohm headphones which will match good to that surplus rig there that i can't even identify and hopefully it'll run off 12 volts because we've got a genuine used computer power supply right there to power it with. And there's also a handy flight case for packing it yeah, and, and taking it to your and, next and event. And putting your extra shoes in. And if you want to, if you'd like to win that, well, you probably need to get in contact with uh, with email or maybe uh, VE3MIC. Yeah. He might know something about this. He may know a little bit about it. That's pretty awesome. Part of that contest is that you're going to be stranded on that island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Iota, Iota, whether you want it or not. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't look like a bad place. No. Unfortunately, there's no microphone or key, so you won't be able to communicate with anyone, but you can listen. Well, that's half the battle. It's probably in the case. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's, nice. <laughs> yeah. You know. What was nice was the look on your face when he said you were doing a contest. <laughs> I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, that is a faux contest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, oh, nobody took that serious. You know, Tommy... <laughs> We we don't have any photos here this month from viewers, but we have a swag store. We do have a swag store, and you can get all your great amateur logic swag right there. It's not just t-shirts and hats anymore. No, we've also now got the mugs, amateurlogic.tv, yeah, coffee mug or ham college or both. Or both. It's either left-handed or right-handed. So there's that. Yeah, we've got uh, caps, ball caps, uh, backpacks, jackets. I don't even remember all the stuff I put on there. We've got some Ham College swag on there as well. So if you, a lot of the viewers that watch Amateur Logic watch Ham College as well. So we've got uh, Ham College VE shirts on there so those that was by request mm-hmm. we've got uh the anode rules ball caps yep on there oh that's right i forgot all about those yeah yeah we need to get you one of those uh probably so probably um, so. so anyway some of the stuff that you guys have given us ideas for or submitted requests we've 
finally got around to putting those on the store. Uh, so hey, lot, did you, did you get my request for uh, the uh, pre, pre-dog chewed ones? <laughs> no, um, we were going to run those through you, though, so that you, yeah. you could... Just send them over. I'll, for, yeah, yeah for an extra fee, if you want something like that, just have it drop shipped to Emil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and check that out. There's a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff on there. And you mentioned the different products that we have. This is one that was introduced last month right here, and it's already hit the magazines. They They jumped right on it. I'm not surprised. It's uh, bleeding-edge stuff. Yeah. High Tech Times caught it. Best new product of the year. It's the uh, Amateur Logic Cranial Cooler. Uh, you might <laughs> remember last month. This is the the hat that Mike designed for us. It has the little fan on the front of it and the solar cell mounted on the back. And it really helps out at field day just to keep a cool breeze to blow that sweat <laughs> right in your ass. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. awesome. It actually was a functional functional cap. It was very cool. It actually works. Yeah, it yeah. does work. So, Mike, I don't know where you come up with this stuff from, but I think you hit a winner there. Even you know a comment I made about it during last month's show kind of caught the <laughs> attention of popular science. Oh, that's, yeah, that's. <laughs> you can back feet into the sun right recharging wow. the sun you know i reckon that if you held that thing up in a wind it could recharge the sun using <laughs> reverse osmosis on that photo cell <laughs> what? Oh so my. Uh, you know Right away, two magazines picked up on the story yeah. there. So, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's uh, the early bird gets the worm on stuff like that. So the first yeah. one with the news. And I noticed Peter's wondering, you know, what the heck? There is really such a thing. Mike made one. <laughs> if you hadn't watched last month's show, watch yeah. it. There's, there's a commercial on there for it. Yeah. I've got some um, some big news here uh, from here in Australia. The amateur radio license condition, which is a thing called the LCD, um, has been changed uh, by an omnibus amendment, instrument 2019 number one, with immediate effect. And these are big, big, big changes here in Australia. To briefly summarise, number one, all restrictions on emission modes have been excuse me, have been removed for all licensees. So you can use any emission mode you like, right? Um, Restrictions on permitted transmission bandwidths have been removed for all licensees, with the exception of the 2200-metre and 630-metre bands, which only advanced licensees can use. Uh, There's been a... a, a, We've lost, I think, about 25 megahertz on the 3 gigahertz band, but that's not not huge. Um, And all all licensee classes now have the same spectral power density limits of 1 watt per 100 kilohertz for wide bandwidth transmissions. Now, uh, I should stress there that there are... Uh, no band changes or changes to power limits. Now, to cut a long story short, what this means is, uh, fundamentally, is that foundation licensees, the lowest class in Australia, can now use digital modes, and that's huge uh, because they'll now be able to go and play with things like FT8, SSTV, 
and so on and so forth. And so, uh, yeah, I encourage the um, uh, everybody to go out and check the uh, Wireless Institute's website, have a look at the new rules, and um, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, take advantage of uh, what is, uh, shall we say, a relaxation of the rules around amateur radio here in Australia. Yeah, you guys have been ahead of us several years with your foundation licenses. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're discussing uh, a similar class here in the U.S. these days now. Yeah, yeah. I I would um, my personal view on uh, shall we say the digital uh, being able to use the digital modes is that yeah I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think it's what young uh, licensees want to do with amateur radio. Uh, and uh, so I would encourage the American authorities and uh, uh, when they're considering introducing this license to actually, from day one, uh, give the, give uh, the licensees the ability to use uh, digital modes uh, because I think that'll be a great encouragement to young, for young people to get involved in the hobby. If you want to catch up with us during the month, where can you do that? Well, we're on You caught me off guard because I was looking to see if the guy that won the stuff was in the chat room. Facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. You can follow us on Twitter at amateurlogic. And we also have a new groups uh, group. Groups Groups.io group? Yeah. Amateur Logic. It's a groups.io forward slash g forward slash amateur logic. That was mm-hmm. by uh, popular request. Yeah. And we post before each episode on there and a little in advance so that you know, hey, if you want to watch live, you can catch it at this time. Before we get out of here, let's just go around the horn. Tommy, any, any final thoughts for our audience tonight? Uh, no, it's been a fun show. It's been a fun 14 years and I uh, appreciate all you guys that we've, I don't want to say worked, but uh, had a good time with for the last 14 years in some part, and uh, looking forward to a lot more. And congrats to Earl, the winner mm-hmm. of the contest this time. And his call sign again? Whiskey Alpha 4 Kilo Bravo Tango. Well, I'll ditto everything Tommy said. Emil, any, any final thoughts from you tonight? Well, great to see Peter and keep up the great work on the comets, buddy. I think you mm-hmm. might uh, save the planet one day. Yeah. Well, you never know. One of those comets could well, if you, uh, when they work out its orbit, uh, could well come very close to Australia, uh, to uh, uh, to the world. And, uh, you know, it, it could be useful actually knowing of its existence. You might be able to do something about it in advance. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And congrats to uh, the winner, and thanks to all the uh, the sponsors and and you guys. What, where would we be without uh, you guys and, and Jimmy and kickstarting this thing? So thanks, guys. Peter, thanks for joining us to celebrate mm-hmm. tonight. Fourteen years, wow! And you you were here for a lot of them. A lot, yeah, yeah. Well, look, it was uh, yeah. I, I, I've moved on to other things, okay, and uh, but I'm always happy to uh, to drop by occasionally and say hello. Thanks for being here, man, and do join in again sometime. <laughs> you know, anytime you want to, you got an open invitation, and and we'll make a mm-hmm. point to reach out to you every now and then to find out what's been going on down there. Because who knows, we might need that common information really, <laughs> really seriously here. Yeah, if you get yeah. any inside scoop on that, be sure to let us know first. Yeah, 
Yeah, I just to fill you in very quickly on that, I'm waiting on some confirmation of some further comments. But after that, that's basically it. That'll be. I don't. I don't see myself as having a continuing role in astronomy. It was just a little area that I was dabbling in for a little while. So, uh, but I might move on to uh, getting back into ham radio a bit more and concentrating on some um, uh, sort of ham radio related projects. We'll see what we can come up with. Well, it's all fun, isn't it? Uh, yes. Speaking of fun, George, you know, not to be selfish or anything, but um, if, at least if we had some more, you know, one or two or three people doing some segments and providing some um, uh, things, then maybe Mike VV3MIC could have some other footage of other people. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't know how to play the guitar <laughs> or hold it, you know. <laughs> No, and, and Mike, Mike's going to be with us again soon here. I can tell you he's working on something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? He's always working on something. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, I always look forward to seeing what he comes up with. Yep. Thanks for being here, everyone. We really appreciate you sticking with us uh, 14 years. And uh, who knows? Maybe another 14 I hope so. I hope so. By then, as as well, well, I won't go into the whole ZZ Top thing. We've already been over yeah, that we've before. Done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seven three, everyone, yep. and uh, just again. Yep, seventy three. Seventy three, everybody. Good night. Seven three. Good night.